What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rose, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Dew Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to another episode of Kentucky Daily. I'm Derek Terry, joined today, as always, by Sean Smith. Sean has had some audio issues today. He's present as I record this, but after a few tries, we're going to let me run solo here. So, Sean worked this interview out with Dallin. Dallin was the India in-game studio host. I can't remember who was with him from ESPN the other day, but he was leading the broadcast. He joined us this morning to come on and talk about the Cats, talk about the one-in-six season how things have gone, what he sees, what needs to change. Uh, I thought he brought a lot of really good things to the table. He was a guy I was not very familiar with prior to doing this, but I was very impressed with what he had to say. I look forward to hopefully having him back on at some point, whether it be this season or in the future. But without further ado, let's get into our interview with Dallin Cuff from ESPN. Dallin, thanks for joining us. Hey, time, Sean. Good to be on with you. We knew Kentucky would have a lot of new faces, but I don't think any of us predicted – a one and six start to the season for Kentucky. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody did. I think, um, you know, having nobody ever played for Coach Cal last year, I mean, is, is evident, and that's a bit of a struggle. He said it since I think it was before the Richmond game when he said my, the schedule is brutal and, and tried to warn fans how hard the schedule is, and that's true. But also, I think and some of the players just aren't. It's not when you compare, compare Kentucky, we're comparing it to SEC champions and national champions. That's the expectations. So we're not saying Kentucky's not good, although they are one and six, or the players aren't good. It's relative to Kentucky's success. And the players that are here right now, Devin Askew's not as good as we thought he was. Brandon Boston's probably not as good as we thought he was. Olivier Saar is a guy that, uh, I mean, I watched a lot last year at Wake Forest, and I wondered, you know, how successful he would really be. I think a lot of national writers looked at his numbers on a bad Wake Forest team and just assumed he would be a, a huge piece. Um, but he does lack some toughness sometimes in the interior. He doesn't. Uh, bring the presence of a veteran that they would need. And, again, he has not been coached by Cal. So he's learning that process. He's learning what the deal is. So this team, um, they're not down and out entirely, guys. Let's be real here. They are playing an SEC that is down quite a bit. So they'll have a chance to win quite a few games, right the ship. And this year, I mean, I, I, don't, I would be shocked if they didn't make the NCAA tournament. Um, but I think they'll be able to right the ship. Um, but this team just is not that talented. They're going to have to do it in different ways. They're going to have to start generating offense off their defense more often. You're going to have to do what they did the other night, you know, against Louisville. A lot of offensive rebounds, putbacks, win the 50-50 balls, do all the little things because they're not good enough to just roll the ball out and out-talent guys. Alan, you watch a lot of Kentucky. You're around former coaches, former players in the studio who watch a lot of Kentucky. What are you seeing and what, what are some of the comments that maybe some of those other guys are making uh, as to why Kentucky is struggling so bad right now? Uh, my biggest thing, and I think like I kind of already alluded to, the talent level is not that high, and there's no continuity. There's no understanding of what here's what we're trying to do. And offensively, Cal's trying to figure out who are the guys that want the ball late. And we talked about it after the Louisville game, and we were in the studio with about I – I, I will say this. With 
without just about over four minutes to go, there was the alley-oop dunk. Cardinals broke the press, alley-oop dunk. They're playing at home. I thought Kentucky was going to fold there. This team is showing more fight than they have. And when that North Carolina loss, guys look beat. Georgia Tech fits like bad body language, looked emotionally beat before the game was over. They bounced right back. Mince hit a three. They got to put back for a layup. Um, so that's good. But, I mean, I think what you, what you question is, down the stretch, I don't know who's going to get the ball. And I'll tell you what, I didn't feel good about whoever it was. And that, that's the issue. I mean, Mintz was shooting it well, and they ran that last set for Mintz to come off the double, off the down screen. Two played one, he kicked it back. They got a great look. But you need to have guys late game that you know can go get your baskets. Jackson had a couple putbacks, and there were some hustle plays um, by Boston. And that's how they got a couple offensive rebounds. They're, they're doing the little things, but really when it comes down to who's going to go get your basket, I don't know who that is for himself or one of his teammates. I don't think they know who that is right now. Um, and offensively in general, it's just a struggle because you don't shoot it well, you don't have a bunch of playmakers, and you don't have these dynamic point guards we're used to seeing for – or dynamic guards we're used to seeing for Kentucky the last four, five, six, seven, eight years. Um, you, you begin to wonder, and I think that's the issue right now. It's like Carlton Towns ain't walking through that door. You don't believe Monkey walking through that door. To echo back to Patino back in the day, a former Kentucky coach, those dudes ain't coming back. Anthony Davis ain't coming back. This is the squad, and although they're not as talented as the past, they have to figure out – who they can play through, who they can rely on, who can step up. Um, and that's been a process that's been hard and harder this year because they don't – this is such an inexperienced team. And this year, more than any other guys, this matters this year. You're seeing the experienced teams, whether it's Gonzaga, Iowa, even in the, in the Big Ten is loaded with them, Wisconsin, Minnesota, teams that have had guys that have been there for a while, they're reaping the benefits of the lack of the summer fully being engaged, the lack of the fall being what it normally is. Uh, and Cal talked about this too. Team bonding is real, guys. Spending time with your teammates, getting to know the teammates, building trust, building familiarity is important. And a lot of those things just can't happen. Dudes go to the gym, they go to their, they get, if they get some training or treatment, and then they go back to their respective apartments. And some live together, some don't. And that, that can fracture a group or can stop you from coming together. So there's issues on the court, but there's also issues off the court, which are systemic across college basketball. Um, and older teams are finding a way to have less of those impacts uh, across the board. And you're seeing the same thing in Kentucky, Duke, and others. We've all talked about the offensive struggles, and at, and at times down, it's very hard to watch. It seems like there's always a stretch during every Kentucky game, typically in the second half, where they just go seven, eight, nine minutes without a bucket. And I keep coming back to the assist-to-turnover ratio. There's only one player on the roster that has a positive assist-to-turnover ratio for the season. That's Davion Mintz. Is that just is that guys just not making shots, or is that just kind of just shows the overall struggle that they have to score right now? It's a little bit of both because even when you do get good looks, there aren't really good shooters. I mean, Mince, Mince is a pretty good shooter, and, and he, but he's also a veteran guy that can speak to his lack of turning it over. He, he played well and for many years in a Creighton system where you relied on to make and create baskets for yourself and your teammates. Um, but I think it's not having great shooters and also just having guys that can, just, can make the game easier for anybody else. Devin Askew's a fine player. He's not making the game easier for anybody else. You know, the, you know, Mince is not a guy typically that makes the game a lot easier for anybody else by blowing by his guy, drawing a help, kick, extra pass, force a closeout, drive, kick. Like, that doesn't happen on many of their possessions. So uh, it's a combination of both. Lack of shot making, which we knew coming in, who, who's going to make shots at the collegiate level? Because it's way different, guys. When you go from making shots at high school, which are always wide open, to making shot at college, which is almost always contested, when you think about going to the NBA, when you got to go create your own shot, which is then always contested, there's always a big level up. And these guys, I think, are learning that level is different, and they don't aren't great shooters standstill to begin with. Uh, a lot of these guys, so they're learning that, and the fact that guys just aren't there aren't that many creators that they can play through to get easy looks. It's a combination of both. 
Yeah, and I thought you made some good points on the team building. Uh, I know that's something Cal Perry talked about after the game. Uh, not having a normal offseason is, is definitely more difficult for a program with 10 new players. But a big topic around here right now, or at least it has been on this podcast, is more or less Cal's system of running things. Obviously, one and done, uh, made Kentucky an incredibly popular school early in Cal's era and uh, produced a lot of wins and the last few years maybe it hasn't been as good as what those early days were so I guess my question to you is as an outsider someone who doesn't cover this program every single day do you still see Cal's system as uh, being something sustainable in today's college basketball Uh, do you think maybe this is just a down year bad product of COVID things like that or do you think they can get back to the days of, of how it used to be well, that's a, that's a big question because, in all honesty, yeah, COVID, like I said, affects things more. But the model itself, and this is beyond basketball, guys. I mean, life and, and business is a talent acquisition business. And Kentucky and Duke have the best sales pitch in the country right now. They go, they can go in and get any five-star they want, and that's what you're going to try to do. You're going to try to accumulate the best talent. What they're missing off this team is the guys, you know, Darren Lamb, Ross. You know, in the past 2012 team and the, the teams that have – you know, won a championship with primarily young guys. There aren't that many to do it. It's really the Kentucky in 12, Duke in 15, but Duke in 15 had Quinn Cook with a bunch of freshmen. You know, I just mentioned some of the guys in that Kentucky crew back in 2012, and they had some other really dynamic players along with a transcendent talent. So it is harder. I mean, the, the numbers prove it out. It is harder to win, win big, a national championship with a primarily young team when you look at the last 10 or 12 years of this, this, this one-and-done era, so to speak. But I don't think you're going to necessarily change the model because – you still want to go out and get the best talent. And in all honesty, a lot of the freshmen tend to be the most talented kids we're going to have. And then the question is, can you mold them together? And are there enough veterans coming back? Or what I think will actually help coach, and if he does this, you might see more. I mean, you saw with Reed Travis last year, sorry this year, Davion Mintz. The transfer market is going to be is already a huge thing in college basketball. It doesn't tend to play at a lot of these places because guys want to transfer in and be kind of the guy or be a guy at a, at a main state type of dude. And when you're bringing in all the five stars, you have to fit in with a bunch of young guys. Um, but with the transfer situation probably going to change in January, so there's no more sit-out rules. So it's not just grad transfers. I could see a lot of these coaches going out, and Cal in particular, going out and find, trying to find supplement roster, supplement his roster with a couple veterans. And those veterans don't have to be grad seniors anymore or don't have to sit out uh, or get a waiver. It might just be a, a, a sophomore from you know, a mid-major program, another high major that played well and wants to go to Kentucky and win a championship and mold with those young guys. And that might help them. Because uh, really what they do lack, too, right now is leadership. And leadership doesn't have to necessarily be upperclassmen. It's a personality thing. And a lot of times it's built through, through hanging out with your team. Guys emerge, and you want you kind of people learn to follow that guy in, in a natural way. Um, it doesn't seem to be that this team has a bunch of those guys. They don't have the time to kind of find that either. Um, but I, I don't think you really change the model because the alternative is to say, okay, I'm not going to go get the five stars. I'm going to go try to find the best fit of three, four, and five stars, which is fine. That, but that, everybody else does that, too. So that ain't easy either. I think it's. I think Cal has the best pitch along with Coach K. Make that pitch, supplement it with some more veterans. Um, in all honesty, guys, it doesn't matter who they put their eggs in the basket, though. Those those freshmen, they're not always transcendent, and they're not, they're not always as good as advertised, whether it's Scalabissier or the guys we're seeing now. There, there's tons of examples that are amazing and also you know not as good as we the people would have thought. So you got you got to kind of – Talent valuation still matters. So what five stars are you getting, and do they all fit together, and do they have the right intangibles? It doesn't always work out. And you mentioned the NCAA tournament earlier, and obviously Kentucky fans and everybody around Lexington's kind of thinking, is this team going to make the tournament? They don't have anything to show for right now down out of non-conference. Uh, win against Moorhead State 
at some point the body of work's got to reflect, you know, something. So you already mentioned the SEC is not very good. So what exactly do you think Kentucky has to do? Is it just winning games, or do they actually is it need to finish top three in the SEC to make sure that they get get a bit? Because obviously, I think is it Derek? Is it no teams? That started one and six have got an at-large bid, or is it one team? I, I saw that stat the other day somewhere. I think Texas was one and five, right? So I don't know. Texas was one and five back in 1999. A Rick Barnes team, 98-99, made it in. Um, we made that comp a couple times because, it, I mean, obviously it's, it's relevant yeah. to now. I don't think they have to necessarily finish in the top three because I, I don't think your place matters. It's how many wins matter. I mean, it's, it's going to be – it's a 20-game, 18-game league schedule you're going to have. 18. They, they've got they've got a pretty much in my mind if you if you're 12 and six in that league that puts you at 13 and 12 if you can get all those games in remember you got to get the, this is this is going to be a problem too guys in the SEC and I'll, I'll, I'll honestly all the major conferences I don't think they've set themselves up for this really well to, to get in the max amount of games I think you need to do starting the conference SEC in particular not starting until this week other conferences started two weeks some three weeks ago to make sure you can move things around because we got you know it's beyond just the the COVID numbers. You know, you're going to have political changes at the local, state, and federal level here when we go to 2021 a lot of different places. Then how that impacts who's allowing who to play. And that can be outside your state, outside your jurisdiction. We don't know what's going to happen. People say we're not going to allow teams to have sporting events. I mean, what, I mean Santa Clara County has done that in, in California. You don't know what's going to happen. So I feel like the SEC, although their footprint is different, has not put them teams in the best position to get as many games in. All that said, you got you got to get to I think like 15 wins, and what will help though is your strength of schedule will still be strong because that this non-conference schedule that they put together is brutal. Whether it's Kansas or Richmond, or, I mean Louisville's outperforming what people thought given all their injuries, and I think they'll do pretty well in the ACC. So that, that those numbers will all help them. And let's be real, the brand helps. That was Dallin Cuff of ESPN. Uh, thank you, Derek, for covering the intro for me without any uh, audio problems on that end. But I hope you enjoyed that interview with Dallin. Dallin's a Bright basketball mind has a very, really solid basketball IQ, Derek. You can tell he knows the game. He knows the game of college basketball. He watches a lot of Kentucky. With with being an in-studio guy, you got to kind of know a little bit about every single basketball program. Uh, yeah. The one thing that stands out to me, though, is how he he's a little bit – we both said that there's no way this team – we don't think they're making an NCAA tournament after, after a one-and-six start. He's not ready to say that. Well, that actually surprised me. Uh, he talked about the league being bad, and as he talked about that, I actually was scro- well scrolling across Twitter, and I saw Rick Barnes say today, ahead of Missouri, we better understand the importance of getting better because we're getting into the part of our schedule where every team we play can beat us. That's just that is that coach speak, or is the SEC actually going to be good? <laughs> well, I think some teams are going to be good. Uh, It'll be official meltdown mode in Lexington or across the Commonwealth though. Kentucky finally loses to Mississippi State on Saturday. I mean, that's like the only team Cal's not lost to in the league. So that would be a pretty devastating thing. But, no, you're right. I, I, thought, I thought Dallin had some interesting comments. I asked him about – I just wanted to hear from an outsider perspective on um, basically – because, I mean, we spent a ton of time talking about the one-and-done model, what he needs to do to build a program going forward. And he just kind of talked about the – talent acquisition and how Kentucky and Duke have done. He's right. They've done it better than anybody over time. But I just think some things, you know, you'll have the transfer portal to deal with going forward. He, he talked about that, using that to their advantage. Like just the landscape of how it was when Kentucky was truly dominant in college basketball with that model. I just think it has to change. Um, but I certainly appreciated Dallin's comments. And 
uh, it was good to have a guest on. Sean, going forward, uh, just as a kind of a programming note, we're going to have – still getting it worked out. We're going to have a couple of guests, though, I do believe, for the NC State game. We, we do know there's a bowl game coming up this Saturday. It's kind of snuck up on me anyway, snuck up on us going forward. Uh, but we'll have some football talk this week in addition to some basketball. But I just wanted to throw that out there that at some one of these days we'll be shifting the focus over to the bowl game. Yeah, I wanna. I don't want to say a name just in case we don't get it worked out. But we're. I'm working on a guest. You have a guest, so yeah. uh, should be at least two more guest episodes this week. We hope you enjoyed that interview with Dallin Cuff. We hope you also enjoyed the Butcher's Pub, who has two locations: one in Pineville, Kentucky; one in Williamsburg, Kentucky. Get out to the Butcher's Pub. Show your support. They show their support for Kentucky daily. I know you've heard this advertisement so many times. You probably can. Uh, you probably hear the Butcher's Pub in your sleep uh, by now, but. We're extremely grateful for all their help and, and everything that they do to continue pushing Kentucky Daily and you know making Kentucky Daily what it is and helping us bring it to you on a daily basis. Uh, but we'll be back very soon with some more U.K. coverage. There's going to be a lot of news this week with the bowl game and now Kentucky basketball's next game at Mississippi State. I will be in Starkville, so Saturday will be a busy day for us, Derek. Uh, could be a big weekend for this podcast if Kentucky's able to get two wins because uh, I think that Kentucky fans deserve a good start to 2021, given how 2020 has played out for them. Uh, But he's Derek Terry. I'm Sean Smith. We'll catch you next time on Kentucky Daily. 